0: This is a black room Production. Yeah. Yeah. And it is officially the 10th episode of Keeping It To Hon Doe. We're finally back again on Friday, what is it, Friday, May 28th, 2021. Wherever you guys may be, could be hot or it could be cold or I don't know what time you guys will be listening to this but hey it's a good day to just do some podcasting it is officially the 10th episode of keeping it 200 want to say just thank you to everybody that's been listening everybody that is listening and um yeah a 10th episode never thought that I would make it here consistency is key been gone last 2 days and in the last 2 days we've had day 4 and day 5 of the nba playoffs that we are going to be recapping but first uh getting into some news at hand uh wwe making the decision right after i talked about who's going to replace raw for the announcing gig the play by play commentary literally after I get done with this podcast of episode nine, go check it out on Spotify. They immediately found a new play-by-play guy within 50 minutes. So I don't know if I should be talking about announcing or anything like that, because every time I do, there's always something that just happens right after. So, But Jimmy Smith, the former Bellator MMA commentator, color analyst for the Bellator, um, is now going to be the new play-by-play guy for Monday Night Raw, and, um, I'm kind of a little skeptical in this, because for one, Jimmy Smith is coming into this job worse than Vit Vert in knowing wrestling, but he does have wrestling knowledge, being that he is a former MMA guy and has done Bellator commentary, so this is kind of really weird because at least that Vic at least knew some wrestling but and watched some of the product but Jimmy Smith has only been watching WWE's product and mostly NXT's product the last couple of months he's been training to be a commentator and stuff. Um I'm very I'm very skeptical about this but I guess they didn't want Vic Joseph back and Tom Phillips was then released one day later after Jimmy Smith was announced as the new head guy. So all the all the commentating jobs now is basically seen under Michael Cole, and Michael Cole's bosses will now be Kevin Dunn, executive producer for the cameras and stuff for Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, and others, and Vince McMahon. So I, I'm skeptical about this, but Jimmy Smith... I I've seen some of his work in Bellator. I don't really watch Bellator like that. And I have not been an MMA fan that long, but um I I've been an MMA fan for over a year and been and on the Bellator shows that I've watched, I've watched some of the classic shows and he's and he was really good, but this is completely different. This is you have to know wrestling history or some wrestling history and Jimmy Smith does not have any wrestling history, so this is going to be um, something new, uh, learning on the job again, and we're going to see if he can last two more months longer, or a month longer, or a week longer than Vert did, and Jimmy Smith, remember folks, is going to be getting his ear full weekly with Michael Cole, with Kevin Dunn, and Vince McMahon, because Monday Nights on Raw is Vince's show, so... Good luck to Jimmy Smith, um, and good luck to him having to learn a bunch of new verbiage and such, um, yeah. As far as Tom Phillips being released, um, this was really shocking, um, WWE did do budget cuts and such, but this was the weirdest one of them all, um, they let go of a commentator who was great at his job, so... It's kind of weird. You don't really see that. So now we actually have, now in the pro wrestling world, there actually is now another play by play guy that can technically go work for a company like Ring of Honor or New Japan or Impact or AEW, despite the fact that AEW is good with Excalibur. But I could see Tom Phillips getting a job, you know, as a play by play guy for the AEW Darks. You never know. Impact could definitely use him. You know, he could do the Beyond the Impact show that comes on one hour before Impact Wrestling. um, Or go to Ring of Honor. Or, um, well, Ring of Honor's already got Ia Rick and Bonnie. And Ia Rick and Bonnie's actually probably the most underrated pro wrestling commentator today. Um, And you could also... And you could also say New Japan, but New Japan's really good with Kevin Kelly and them, so I think New Japan's going to be probably the only one he probably would not get. They already have Kevin Kelly, Rocky Romero, Chris Gambino, and Chris Charlton, I believe. Yeah, so they – New Japan's probably got the best commentating team Um, if you had to rank everybody. And then Ring of Honor is probably dead last in the category because no one's not watching Ring of Honor. But Ian Ricky Bonnie is actually a very underrated play-by-play commentator, and or or you could go to NWA. Uh, I, I forget about NWA, but NWA is such a show that's not being reliced and not being seen or watched or anything because it's literally on a fight TV, and a real selective number of people are watching that. And but yeah, you never know. Um uh good luck to Tom Phillips wherever he goes if he might not want to do wrestling he might want to actually go into actual sports and you never know um but let's get into the games now we're going to recap NBA's day 4 games of the playoffs it was three games on the Wednesday May 26 2021 it was the Philadelphia 76ers beating the Wizards this game was very controversial in a lot of ways, not in, not on the court, but off the court where Russell Westbrook, who was injured in the fourth quarter, went to the trainer's room and had popcorn thrown on him by a Philadelphia 76ers fan who was then the next day banned indefinitely from the arena. Um, and of course, players st- stood up for Russell Westbrook on social media and stuff, and Russell Westbrook was mad about it and you can't blame him. Um, I don't really have a lot to say about these comments because I feel like everyone said the right comments and I don't feel there's any negativity or anything. The right thing was done. The fan was banned and there were NBA players such as Charles Barkley that said that, that the fans should get his ass whooped, honestly. And I actually agree with those comments, and I do, that's why I'm not going to say anything about the comments. I actually agree with everyone's comments about Russell Westbrook getting popcorn thrown on him, and I think that was actually – I think that's all something we can all agree on the fan deserved to get his ass kicked. Um, but that was – but we had more fans do this the other night with the Knicks as Trey Young got spit on, and New York Knicks fan was banned indefinitely. So this was um, – so I don't really have anything to say about those comments, but getting into the games though, Ben Simmons, 11-15, 22 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, narrow, triple, double, great stuff there. Tobias Harris, 9-13, nine, 9 rebounds, 19 points. Danny Green, back to being Danny Green, just 5 points in 21 minutes, just only 3 attempts. He had 2 blocked shots on the night, that was really weird. Um, Joel Embiid, 8 of 12, 22 points. Really, this was just the Philadelphia 76ers just taking this victory. They won 120 to 95. Washington shot 40% from the field. They only made two threes the entire game. One three came from Bradley Beal, and the other three came from Ruchi Hachimura, their rookie. Bradley Beal, though, for Washington, put up 33 points on 14 of 28. Russell Westbrook was injured, left the game early in the fourth. He had 10 points on 2 of 10 with 11 assists, 6 rebounds. And that was pretty much all that you could really say about the Wizards. They only shot, they only had two threes on the night. Philadelphia's defense was incredible in this game. Joel Embiid um, played great, despite only, you know, getting three free throw attempts the entire game. And Bede still was able to be the big guy and still be able to provide great stuff from the Sixers though. Just defensively. Shooting wise, they shot 55%. They had nine threes on the night. They were able to they were able to just get everything that they needed done. Out rebounded the Wizards forty five to forty. Out assisted them twenty-six to twenty two. block shots. The Sixers had fourteen with Matisse Steibel. Off the bench with five points and five block shots. That's incredible for Mathis Saibal, who a lot of people, you know, got on me as well saying, why didn't I make him a defensive, all defensive player? I'm still getting heat for that. And episode five was literally last week. So um, the keeping it to Hundo awards was not seen in the greatest light. Still not seen in the greatest light, but um, points in the paint. Sixers had 68 right in the paint. Great stuff right there. And the Wizards um, only had their one lead was in the early first quarter. The Sixers led by 27 at one point. Um, all, everything that was needed to be said has been said. The Sixers played great basketball. They played great defense. Joe Bede even did a little DX pose shouting out to Triple H and Shawn Michaels saying that those were... His heroes in wrestling growing up. So really good stuff right there. So that means on the next WWE conference call I'll have to hear Nick Khan say that, well, WWE is so influential. Joel and B did the D X pose. Yeah, okay. I think it was more of a taunt, but you know, whatever WWE wants to sell it to their corporate liaison partners and such, go ahead. Um for the Sixers they're up two oh. Thoughts on this series? This is pretty much going the way I want it, and this is pretty much going the way anyone thought this was going to go. The Sixers are going to have an easy first round, and Westbrook, you know, Westbrook's, you know, just, he hasn't had good shooting. Bradley Beal has played pretty good basketball, but it's just not enough, and the Wizards are not a great defensive team. And the Wizards, I thought we're actually going to cover the spread. I actually thought the game was going to be closer. But the Wizards just don't have the shooting every night to just go for 120. They just don't like that, especially in the playoffs. And with Westbrook injured and probably going to play injured the next game um, because we've got, what, three games on the night, uh, and they're playing Saturday at 7 p.m. on ESPN, Saturday at 7 p.m. So... I just don't see anything else going for the Wizards right now in it. And this was uh, this is pretty much a clear, decisive victory. Good coaching, good defense, good scoring from their three big guys of Simmons and beat and Harris and great stuff off the bench for their guys with Bible with his five blocks with Dwight Howard coming in with 13 points and. He was and he was able to get them scoring four of six. So good stuff all around. Just good stuff all around. Um for the Sixers. Um then we go to our second game of day four. It was on Wednesday, May 26, 2021. The Knicks got a 10192 victory over the Atlanta Hawks. I pretty much predicted this right down the middle. Julius Randle didn't have a better game. He was five of sixteen, two of seven from three. 12 rebounds, 15 points, eh, not the best game so far for Julius Randle, however, the lines for this game was close to what it was on Sunday, Knicks were a favorite by minus two, I said, just go ahead and buy the Knicks minus two, they're going to win, and that's what they did, Trey Young didn't get to the free throw line. 11 times in this game. He only went there four times, but he was 4 4. The Knicks let DeAndre Hunter get to the free throw line on 9 of 11 with 18 points, 3 of 10 shooting. Um, Trey Young, though, had another 30 point game. He had 30 points on 11 of 20, 7 assists, 5 turnovers. That's going to be a big key for Trey Young. He's going to have to lower those turnovers if the Atlanta Hawks want to play better. Atlanta, Knicks, both teams shot terrible. They really did. This was, on the highlights, they'll make it seem like this game was really, really big. And to Knicks fans, this was a big, raucous crowd. But no way was either team shooting the ball great. The Hawks shot less than 40%. They shot 36.9%. The Knicks shot 38%. The Knicks um, shot less threes. So that's why their three-point percentage was at 364 But both teams shot 12 threes on the night. The Hawks just took 11 more attempts on 12 of 44 points in the paint. Knicks won that 42 to 28 second chance points. The Knicks won that 15 to four fast break points. The Atlanta did have them in 15 to six uh, lead changes was only three times. Tied game was only three times. So then the Atlanta had the lead. They were up at 15 at one point. And then when the Knicks got the lead, they were up at 10 at their most at one point. And, Give credit to Reggie Bullock on five of eight, four of seven from three, fifteen points. He had to come through for the Knicks. Derrick Rose was the big guy that came through. This was the this was literally the MVP of the night um in day four of the playoffs. Coming off the bench on nine of twenty-one with twenty-six points. Four rebounds, four assists. He really looked great in this game, and he was the big reason that New York's offense. Probably would have looked way worse if Rose did not play or Rose only had 15 or maybe 10. Um, so that was really good stuff here. But both teams played defensively tough. And that should not go underhanded. Um, Knicks out-rebounded the Hawks 54-41. to um, Big key factor as well for the Knicks' victory. Um, for this series right now, now they're going to Atlanta for Game Three tonight at seven o'clock. I see Atlanta taking this game um, and getting back um, their victory. This is either going to go seven in one or two ways. I I, I can't. In, if, if I've watched, if you've watched the Atlanta Hawks in the playoffs last decade, you know this team always. Always does something um to where they they're up in a series and then they blow it. And tonight, you know, now the game line is actually about it. Four and a half for Atlanta plus four and a half for the underdog Knicks. Um I say this game is still close, so I would say if you were a better, bet four and a half for the Knicks. If you were though betting for a just a clear straight up winner I would say Atlanta is coming back and winning that game easily so no question right there for the Hawks and and why not you know Trey Young is going to be the big reason that if Trey Young has another 30 point night which I'm assuming he will the Hawks will definitely win this game um and they've and the Hawks have shown their defense is really good they've held Julius Randle to two bad games they've got now RJ Barrett, they they made RJ Barrett finally struggle shooting in the last game. Derrick Rose was of nine of twenty one. So they're gonna. So so if they can hold Derrick Rose down defensively, and just get some more contribution from Gallinari and Hunter, um, they're gonna be able to be fine because Bojan Bogdanovic eight of twenty one, um he was two of 13 from three. They've got to get some threes down as well. Atlanta, but if Atlanta does this, Atlanta just needs some more scoring. If they can get that more scoring, then they're going to be able to win. And in our main event for the night cap of day four, of the playoffs on Wednesday, we had the Utah jazz actually come as a team. Officially. They had Donovan Mitchell. First time he's been back in 18 games. So Donovan Mitchell came back eight of 19, five of 10 from three with 25 points on the night. Mike Conley, 8 of 16, 20 points on the night. Great stuff right there. Um, Rudy Gobert, they were able to get the ball into him more on 9 of 11, 21 points. So So that's finally the Jazz team that showed up. The Jazz in game one did not show up, but the Jazz in game two showed up huge. They won 141 to 129. Memphis kept this game close, and Memphis is really an underrated NBA team. And I want to say that here because I don't think Memphis is going to get the credit that they're going to get. I'm, I'm, I'm not out of the realm yet that Memphis can't win game three, you know, come Saturday. Um, Then they're at home against the jazz. And I'm not out of the realm of saying they can't win game four because the two games have been close. John Morant was 15-26 of 26 Wednesday with 47 points. Dylan Brooks, 23 on 10 of 14. Jonas Valanciunas had 18. You had Jarrett Jackson Jr. with 16. You had Kyle Anderson, um, Slow Mo with 11. All five of their starters were in double figures, but the Jazz's five stars were in double figures as well. The only thing Memphis is going to have to do is they're going to have to play defensively. That's probably going to be the big thing, and now this is turning into a series. If Jazz, if the Jazz lose Game Three, then we need to start giving this team more credit. We definitely have to start giving the Grizzlies more credit. We, we're just going to have to. Um, and the Grizzlies are really playing with house money. No one expected the Grizzlies to win the against the Warriors last Friday. And no one expected them to win game one Sunday. Now the Grizzlies are proving people wrong. They really are. The Grizzlies, what killed them in this game, they gave up 19 threes against the Jazz. You can't do that against a Jazz team like that. Just because the Jazz were having a bad night shooting in game one doesn't mean that you take your gas off the pedal and think they're going to just not make their threes in game two. That was the big kicker for them. They gave up 19 threes. But both teams shot the shot over fifty percent. Both teams did. Rebounding advantage was at forty-two to thirty-three. Utah points in the paint. Memphis had sixty-two to fifty-eight. Second chance points. Jazz twenty-two to fourteen. Fast break points. Grizzlies did that nineteen to three. Jazz were up by as much as twenty-two at one point in this game. So the Jazz came out and basically did what I said. They were either going to come out and keep this game close, or they were going to come out and try to blow them out. And they did try to blow them out, and Memphis would not go down without a fight. So Taylor Jenkins, the Memphis Grizzlies head coach, could be a head coach of the year candidate next year when I mean, it's all said and done because he's really showing that – he's really impressed me, and the Jazz are impressed – and the Grizzlies are impressed me. They're keeping up with a one-seated NBA team. This is supposed to be the Jazz, the the team that has the best defensive player in Rudy Gobert and has the best defense and they're giving up 129 to the Grizzlies. This is this is really telling a lot about Memphis and it's telling a lot about Utah because say Utah loses game 3. Um we're really going back to the 50-50 of is Utah fake or are they real are they a Richard millie or are they just a rich or a wrist watch um are they the are they Jabo jeans or are they just some target wranglers um that's what the jazz are you don't know if this team's real or fake they had donovan mitchell so obviously their offense is is their carrier but defensively they're gonna have to be better or elsewise, John Morant is going to have another 47.9, and Memphis will win Game 3. So, um, if I had to pick right now, though, I I think Memphis is going to win Game 3. I, I just do – I don't think they're going to win straight up, but I definitely see them covering um, any spread. Let me see what the spread is for the – is there is there a spread for tomorrow night? Well, they have a spread for tomorrow night, and it is Memphis plus 5, so – I would take that plus five. It probably will go up. Um seeing how DraftKings sports books are and sports books in general, it'll probably go up. Probably a little bit more before the nine thirty game tomorrow um tomorrow night. So definitely. And then we get into day number five of the NBA playoffs. This was from last night, Thursday, May twenty seventh, twenty twenty one, we had the Miami Heat, Milwaukee Bucks. The Miami Heat are about to go fishing. One, two, three, Cancun. Whatever you want to go ahead and throw out. Um, Milwaukee wins one thirteen to eighty four. Wasn't good shooting in this first half, though. From from either team, it really wasn't good shooting. Um, the Bucks were up by thirteen at half. They shot forty percent at the half. They were five of twenty from three. But Miami was 4-16. Miami looked like they were going to keep in it. They had Jimmy Butler with 16 points in the first half. And then came the third quarter where Milwaukee outscored them 37-24. to With Chris Middleton in the third having 10 points. With Byron Forbes with 8 in the third. Um, and they didn't need Giannis in the third because Giannis in the third only had 4 points. And this is where it just got worse for the... For the Miami Heat, they were down by 26 after three quarters. Um, Giannis was on five of 11 with 11 points after three quarters. Chris Middleton was their go-getter after three quarters, doing so 6 of 14 and 18 points. And now it's now the Heat are down 3-0. They're, they've lost 113 to 84. Miami, I thought they were going to be able to win. Uh, Miami is losing a lot of bettors' money. They're they're showing that their offense is terrible, but their defense can't stop the guys that they need. Their defense can't stop Chris Middleton. Drew Holiday had a second game straight of over 10 assists with 19 and 12, 19 points, 12 assists on 7 of 10, and they held Giannis to 6 of 12 on 17 points, but... But he still had 17 rebounds and 5 assists, and Jimmy Butler had 19 points on 7 of 17, and Bam Adebayo with um, 17 points. But after that, this team is doesn't have shooting. Duncan Robertson, 1 of 6. Tyler Hero, 4 of 10. Goran Dragic started this game, 3 of 14. Um, Trevor Ariza was 0 of 4. It's it's pretty much now it for the for the Miami Heat. Um, Saturday could be the end of them. It's Game Four. It's on at one thirty p.m. East on TNT. I don't see Miami um, beating Milwaukee now at this point. I I don't see any reason why I should bet for the Miami Heat anymore. Um, they might go ahead and win Game Four because, but I don't know. I when I look at the Miami Heat in the press conference, they look upset, they look tired, they look drained. And you can't blame them. 7 8 months ago they were in the bubble. They beat Milwaukee in 5 in the second round. This time around they're down 3-0. And Miami is showing the dog days. They've have showed it all year with COVID issues, with injuries, with just terrible offense. Tyler Hero, people are saying he's fake. I don't know. Um, I think it's still a wait and see on Tyler Hero. Next year will be the big question. If Tyler Hero starts off slow and we're at the trade deadline, I say trade him. But I'm not giving up on Tyler Hero yet as an NBA player. But Tyler Hero definitely needs to be on the bench. I'm not going to deny that. And if Miami loses, then we will be talking about what does Miami need to do in the off season? Um, we all know they need a shooter. We all know that Victor Oladipo will be fully hundred percent in November, but it's going to be tough for Milwaukee. This team is playing everything the right way. They've got, they've got Bobby Portis who's on five of seven. He's, he's been, he's just been great. 11 points, nine rebounds he had on Thursday. They got PJ Tucker They've got Middleton, they've got Giannis, they've got Holiday, they've got the they've got the guys that they need. So there should be no reason why Milwaukee is not a favorite to make the NBA Finals or make the Eastern Conference Finals or beat Brooklyn. This is gonna be the big question now. Can Milwaukee, you know, finally get over that hump and get back to where they were at two years ago when they played Kawhi and the Raptors? That's still a wait and see, but Milwaukee's looking great, and that's and that's going to be the big question, what's going to happen in the second round when they play Brooklyn, because we all know Boston is not coming back to beat Brooklyn. They're just not. Um, even if Jason Tatum is playing, they're not coming back, and, and I've said this here before. Go back and watch my other podcast episodes on Spotify. Jason Tatum, if he doesn't have 60, they're not winning, and it shows, so – Um, that was all for that game. We're moving on to the next one. It was the Phoenix Suns, LA Lakers on TNT for the doubleheader. This was last night as well. Lakers got a one Oh nine 95 victory. Another great game for the Lakers. Um, I want to talk about this here though, for the Lakers, Kyle Kuzma has just been terrible. This entire series shooting. He's just not there. He's just not, he was two of 12 last night, two of eight, eight points. Previous game before that, I believe he had two points in the game For that. He had nothing. And, of course, the Lakers have to have this. You know, Lakers fans, I have a love-hate relationship with them. And I know there's going to be motherfuckers that are going to probably be like, well, you are a Lakers fan stuff. True, but I was more Lakers fan when Kobe was around and Kobe played. I'm not. I'm I'm not going to say I'm a Lakers fan on the bandwagon bus because really what is the true definition of an NBA fan nowadays? Um and how can you even prove that you're an NBA fan nowadays to people is it's now becoming even harder and harder and and stuff like that, you know. I I tell it is I tell it like it is. It's keeping it 200 podcast. It's not the I'm gonna become a bandwagon podcast. No, um, but I'm gonna actually go to a tweet. I don't really do these on this show. I, I'm probably gonna start doing this more because because I gotta call out some bullshitters on this on this Twitter. And this was from Rob Perez um, at Worldwide Wobe, whatever you weirdo. He said it's under. He said understand it's difficult to convince people a player who shot two for twelve had a good game. But Kuzma really was everywhere tonight, doing the dirty work, less count of how many second-chance opportunities he created with Hustle, and was there seemingly every time to plug holes in D. Okay. However, if Kyle Kuzma and the Lakers lost that game, is Rob Perez going to send out the same fucking tweet? No. He might defend Kyle Kuzma saying, oh, well, Kuzma played good defensively, but... That doesn't mean nothing. That really doesn't to me because if the Lakers had lost this game to 95 or just lost this game in general, I doubt Rob Perez is going to say, well, Kyle Kuzma did all this stuff defensively. Oh, okay. Sure, if if that's what you want to say. You know, to me, I don't look at it as a bad thing. I don't look at it as a negative thing. I look at it as Kyle Kuzma struggling to provide offense for the Lakers defensively, I understand that the Lakers played great. There's no question. Kyle Kuzma really did do a lot. You look at his plus minus, it was a a plus 14. Of course I'm going to look at that and say that he did good. But I'm not going to defend Kyle Kuzma and say, well, Kyle Kuzma is, you know, he had this second chance opportunities and everything. First off, first off, if you think that someone's going to sit down and watch all the fucking entire NBA game with the way that television is nowadays and the way highlights are nowadays there's not going to be no one that's going to sit down and really say well Kyle Kuzma did this and Kyle Kuzma did that no 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 no, no. they're not going to say that shit they're going to say he was 2 of 12 on 2 of 8 shooting from 3 and they're going to say that he needs to improve he had 10 rebounds great he had 3 assists good he had 8 points eh but that was it he wasn't even the leading scorer off the bench it was uh who was it Um, Wes Matthews. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wesley Matthews. Yeah. Eight points on two of five. I'm reading the box score. So sorry if I'm struggling with it. That's all I was zooming in, but I'm not going to say that Kyle Kuzma is doing everything right. I'm going to say that. Okay. It was a Lakers win. If, if this, if the Lakers had lost, we wouldn't have been Rob Perez wouldn't have been defend. It wouldn't have had good defending arguments for that. Anthony Davis, 11-22, 34 points, 12-14 from the free-throw line. The Suns did make sure that he didn't go to the free-throw line 20 times, but he still went 14 times. LeBron James, 9-19, 21 points, um, on nine assists, six rebounds. He had seven turnovers in this game, and Anthony Davis had five. Both of them combined for 12 turnovers. That's going to have to fix for the Lakers because – the Suns, they, they got some defense, and people are not talking about that. I, I don't hear Rob Perez saying, well, geez, you know, they're doing all these things. It's like, no, no, it's hard to convince people that the Suns are doing the right things on defense and holding LeBron James to one of five from three. And it's hard to convince people of that because here's why. The Suns lost. And yeah, but but whenever I bring up these stats or something like that, it's not going to be looked at as the same glowing effect because people will say, well, they lost. Okay. And Kyle Kuzma was two of 12 and they won, but it wasn't because of Kyle Kuzma. No, it wasn't Dennis Schroeder, six of 11, 20 points. He had three turnovers. Uh, Lakers starters They've got to cut down these turnovers. That, That was a big thing. They had 20 turnovers in this game and that was huge that they've got to fix that. They've got to fix that. Um, Points in the paint, Lakers did win that fifty-eight to thirty-eight on for the Suns. Um, second chance points was twenty to ten. Fast rate points, the Suns did win that eighteen to thirteen. Lakers were up by as much as twenty-one in this game. Um, I did like it, the highlights. Go back and watch them if you guys get a chance. But Andre Drummond was literally doing every bit of LeBron posing when Jay Crowder was on the defense on LeBron. Um, as LeBron was trying to do a fade away pose and everything. And Andre Drummond is literally copying his every moves. I did like that. That was funny. Um, because, but, th- but you know what though, when you, when you're winning that much and you're winning good, good vibes come. Um, and they had three guys over 20 points, um, for the Phoenix Suns though, I'm not, let's start talking about them a little bit, you know? They did shoot the – both teams shot the ball um, roughly the same percentage at the end of the game, 44% for the Lakers, 42% for the Suns. Suns did have more threes on the night, and they held the Lakers to only seven. So good stuff right there from the Suns. Chris Paul's shoulder is messed up. It's no question. Um, I went back and talked about this on episode nine of keeping it 200. When you take a a bump like that, you don't feel it to the next day. And Chris Paul really could be playing with something serious. Um, Chris Paul, seven points, six assists, five rebounds, three of eight. Even when Chris Paul is playing really limited, Chris Paul is still doing it a lot. So let's not take that away. Devin Booker didn't have a good game on the night. Six of 19, and it was not a good game as far as compared to the first two games. Um, six of 19, one of four from three, 19 points. DeAndre Ayton was 11 of 15. 22 points, 11 rebounds, and he had a steal and two blocks. Very good stuff right there. Um, He had four turnovers, so that is worrisome about DeAndre Ayton, but I'm not as worried. Jay Crowder, who was getting roasted by Lakers fans and will keep getting roasted by Lakers fans for liking a tweet that a person on Twitter posted as, you know, making fun of Anthony Davis's championship ring and putting it up against a diamond tester, and Jay Crowder liked that, and Jay Crowder pretty much paid for that. Two of nine, one of seven from three, nine points. Of course, he let LeBron have 21, and LeBron played way better than him. Um, but Jay Crowder did do some good stuff defensively. He had two block shots, and he had two steals. So I don't want to say Jay Crowder didn't have a great game or a good game, but he did have a good defensive game. He did do everything right defensively. Um, and Mikhail Bridges for Phoenix on six points, just two of five shooting two of four from three. This is not going to be enough right there. Cameron Payne though, um, 15 points on six of 11 and Torrey Craig was four of seven with 11 points off the bench for Phoenix. So Phoenix did have the better bench and everything, but it's just, when I mean, you got LeBron and AD and then AD can just step up and be like this. That's where it's going to be the big issue, you know? if you can contain Anthony Davis like you did in game 1 Phoenix is going to win game 4 if you can't contain Anthony Davis and contain LeBron Lakers are going up 3-1 and this is going to get more uglier before it gets better for the for this team so um for Phoenix though they might be able to pull off game 4 if they can hold AD but they've got to play better defensively and Jay Crowder is going to have to be a better shooter he's just going to have to be Chris Paul is literally going to have to take what's left of his shoulder and literally make sure to get Phoenix more involved because Phoenix is now their Phoenix's offense is now starting to take a tumble, and that's starting to look bad for Phoenix, um, even more than anything. And their defense, you know, is their defense is not bad. It's just they they aren't able to contain AD, and they're not making the shots right after to 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 be matching up with the Lakers. So that's that's what's going to kill them. In the big long run, um, just like 12 points in the second quarter for Phoenix against the Lakers 16. That's not going to be enough. It's just not. And then the third quarter when the Lakers outscored them 33 to 23. That's still just not enough. You know, you're going to have to have that offense if you're going to try and compete with AD and you're sending AD to the line too much. Um, in our last game of the night last night, Thursday, it was the Denver Nuggets defeating the Portland Trailblazers 120-115 in Portland. Denver was the underdog in this game, and they were the underdog betting, and they were the underdog in the point spread. And I was like, why is Denver the underdog? Have we not been watching this? I like. I feel like there sometimes are sports bettors, or sports books, sorry are not paying attention to the NBA games as much as as you think. Because Denver should have never been the underdog in this game. They should have never been. It should have been Portland as the underdog with the plus three. And then I saw the betting lines yesterday. The Denver Nuggets were a plus 155 money line. And the they were a plus three as the underdog. And I said, why is Denver – that way, so of course I betted on Denver, and I won big on Denver, because Denver won by five, this was easy, this was so easy to just say, and for, and this is literally the tale of this series, yes, you have fouling, yes, you have two guys, yes, you have two teams that are literally trying to kill each other at times with the with the pushing and the shoving and everything, this re- I'm not. You're not going to hear this from people, but this is literally like a 90s-style NBA fighting. But the problem is Denver is the better team. Here's how Denver's the better team. Portland is not great defensively. It's starting to show. They gave up 120 at home. Two, the Denver Nuggets had 23 pointers on the night compared to Portland's 14 of 45, which means Denver shot from 352%. And what's even worse is there's no one that can stop Nikila Jokic. There's no one that can stop him. 12 of 24, 4 of 7 from 3, 36 points. They sent him to the line eight times. He made them all. He has 11 rebounds. He has five assists. They don't have no one that can stop Jokic. They don't have no one that can stop the Joker. Anis Cantor is not the answer. Nurkic is not the answer for Portland. And that's pretty bad. For Denver, on the other hand, what's keeping Denver from winning these games outright just by blowouts? It's Damian Lillard keeping Portland in this 15 of 31, 5 of 16 from 3, 37 points. Denver doesn't have any guards that can match up with Lillard's speed and getting to that basket. That's the only big issue. But Portland defense is going to be the reason they lose this, not because of Damian Lillard, not because of C.J. McCollum, who actually is still the second-best player, and you don't notice it, with 8 of 20. Yes, McCollum and Lillard had 8 threes. They were 8 of um, 26 on the night for this game. They took way too many threes and didn't get a lot in return. But McCollum did have 22. Norman Powell had 18. Carmelo Anthony came back in Game 3 and bounced back with 17 on 4 of 8 from 3. But there's got to be defense. And Austin Rivers, shout out to the Brotherhood Duke Blue Devils. I, I feel like I shout out the Brotherhood so much on this podcast because there's always a Duke player every night that's doing something in the NBA playoffs that's doing the right things and winning. Austin Rivers, by the way, I think the last time he's had over 20 points in a playoff game. You have to go back to the LA Clippers. And that was like, what, six years ago? And it was against the same Portland team. And Austin Rivers had like one eye. But Rivers, 7 of 14, 5 of 10 from three. Michael Malone said after the postgame he wanted Austin Rivers to start taking more shots and told Austin Rivers to stop being hesitant about taking shots. And I agree with Michael Malone, the Denver Nuggets head coach. Austin Rivers is shooting those threes, and he's making them now at a great clip. 7 of 14. 5 of 10 from 3, 21 points. Give credit to Austin Rivers. Michael Porter Jr. was 5 of 11, 3 of 5 from 3. Michael Porter Jr., ever since I criticized him in Game 1 of his 3-point shooting, he's came back and has been more better at taking 3s. 3 of 5 from 3, 15 points, good stuff right there. You had Aaron Gordon. He was four of nine. Aaron Gordon actually didn't have a great game offensively compared to Jokic and Austin Rivers and Michael Porter Jr. But he was still able to just come through and be something great right there. And that's something that you got to give credit to. You got to give credit to Denver, and their coaching and their defense because their defense is way better than Portland's, and it, and it's not showing because Damian Lillard is keeping these games close. But it should. But it really is when Damian Lillard is having you know even Damian Lillard is just not able to make those shots I mean you've got Denver's guards getting two steals they're getting the blocks they're getting everything that they need Denver really has a really good defense it's just not showing because the games are so close but that was but that was something that that I that I definitely wanted to give credit to Give credit Austin Rivers shout out to him um Austin Rivers literally, you know, has been like a punching bag of jokes a long time in the NBA. And he actually had a game where he could say, I'm, I'm here and I'm proving people wrong. And that was what you wanted to see right there. So good stuff from Austin Rivers. Good stuff on the night for Denver. There really wasn't else really much to talk about in this because I've, I've said what I've said. And you can go back and look. It's It's so obvious that Denver is literally – Literally just – have they're head and shoulders, and they're going to win. They're going to win this, and Damian Lillard is just one bad game away from making Portland look like they're going to lose by, like, 20 because th- he's the reason that they're staying in these games. For the three games on the night, though, because we've got a lot of stuff for Friday night. We've got Friday night SmackDown. It's the Usos, Jimmy and Jey Uso, will take on the Street Profits. I'm I'm guessing this is the main event of the Friday Night SmackDown show, Um, and there's no reason why it shouldn't be. Um, More than likely, if you're, if you're a WWE fan and you think you're going to get the Uso Street Profits on TV for free, you might be wrong because they might screw you and say Jey Uso is not going to compete because last week on SmackDown, they pretty much told you Roman Reigns did not want Jey Uso tagging with Jimmy Uso. Um against the street profits so and roman reigns has even told jimmy uso two weeks ago that no one doesn't care about some match on tv they care about the marquee pay-per-view matches so yeah you probably might be just getting jimmy uso versus the street profits so don't be holding your head up high quickly aw dynamite tonight at 10 p.m it's the go-home show for aw double or nothing It's Anthony Agogo, Cody Rhodes with a weigh-in. Miro defends the TNT Championship against Dante Martin. We celebrate the one-year anniversary of Carter Sheeta winning the AEW Women's Championship. Um, What else do we also have on the um, show? Um, The best of the inner circle with Eric Bischoff as the host. So it's not a great lineup, but it starts at 10 p.m. on TNT. I... As far as ratings go, I, I don't think ratings matter at this point because, for one, the website's, the website's been down for the Showbuzz Daily. And ratings are going to stay down for every wrestling show because we're in the NBA playoffs. For the NBA tonight, we're getting into this. We've got the New York Knicks, Atlanta Hawks. The Knicks are the favorite. Um, well, the Hawks are the favorite. Minus four and a half um, ATS. Knicks, for. Uh, Underdog, plus four and a half. Um, I've said this here before. I think the Knicks are going to take an ATS, but Atlanta will win straight up. Um, we have Brooklyn, Boston. Um, I would buy into this early because it's at minus 335 for Brooklyn, and this money line should technically be at, like, 580, if we're being honest, because Brooklyn's the favorite, minus seven and a half. I don't see a reason why Brooklyn can't cover the spread. Kyrie Irving, when he plays Boston, usually has his best games in Boston because he really loves shoving it down Boston Celtics fans' faces, especially when he used to be a former Boston Celtics. Then we have, in our main event of the night, 940 on ESPN. This is the game I'm really looking forward to seeing. Can Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks go up 3-0 against the L.A. Clippers? The Clippers are the favorite right now um, as far as money line betting. And a minus two and a half favorite, meaning that the Clippers need to win by three. Mavericks are the plus two and a half. They are the underdog for some reason, and they're up 2-0. Here's the story um, about this. There was a story that actually came out. Rajon Rondo had actually noticed that Dallas Mavericks head coach Rick Carlisle has been yelling out the plays... And Rajon Rondo, who was a former Dallas Maverick six years ago, knows all of Rick Carlisle's plays. And yet the Mavericks are up 2-0, and Luka Doncic has averaged over 30 on 50% shooting and 40% from three. So the Mavericks are literally just playing with vibes. They're not playing with really any, like, schemes because Rajon Rondo knows the schemes, and the Clippers can't stop that. You know why the Clippers can't stop that? Because Patrick Beverley all the trash talking that he does can't stop Luka Doncic and here's how it's going to go tonight this is the prediction we're going to close this show here on keeping it 200 with the prediction right here because tomorrow we're going to be back we got day six of the NBA playoff recap and we got two wrestling shows so you already know what's going to be going on on episode 11 we, we're not going to talk about that but we're going to close this show with a prediction to end this show so that way you can get your podcast filled for the night and see who you need to bet on. Here's how it's going to go. Clippers need Kawhi Leonard to guard Luka for 40 minutes. Luka isn't guarded for 40 minutes by Kawhi or Paul George. Tyron Lue is getting ready to probably be X'd as a coach because they're going to go down 3-0. The Clippers will more than likely be blowing up because I can't see the owner, Steve Ballmer, keep buying in to this team, and plus Steve Ballmer's probably going to be like, why am I spending so much money on two players who haven't even been able to get me to a Western Conference Finals? And we were beating this team last year. They were actually they were actually more into the series, in the bubble. And the third thing will have to be here, if Luka has another 30-point game, it's more than likely Dallas is going up 3-0. So, Here's how it's going to have to go for the Clippers. Kawhi can have 41 because Kawhi had 41 last time and it didn't help. Paul George has actually been shooting the ball really good. It's just that Paul George has just not been shooting the ball from three really good. And the Mavericks have Tim Hardaway Jr. and Chris Sepps Porzingis as X-Factors. So you can double-team Luka all you want, but you're going to still have to stop Tim Hardaway Jr. And Tim Hardaway Jr. is in a contract year, so Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be playing with extra motivation because you know he's going to want Mark Cuban's Shark Tank money. And Chris Staps Brzingis, you know, he's going to want some revenge on Paul George breaking his ankles twice in a game. So here's how it's going to go. Mavericks plus 2.5, that's it for keeping it 200. Mavericks getting ready to go up 3-0. So on the next podcast episode, we're more than likely going to be talking about how the Clippers need to start looking into the off season and start looking at rebuilding because it's going to be Mavericks plus two and a half. I'm taking that tonight. I'm just going off the vibes too. I don't see no reason why the Mavericks can't win and I don't see a reason why the Mavericks shouldn't win, but that's it for keeping it to Hondo. We ended the show under 55 minutes. Thank you for watching. Let's talk to you next time. Peace.